we finished our series in 1 Thessalonians, right? So if you're following along um, in, um, uh, during our live stream, you went through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And how great was God that he had set that up ahead of time that we did this uh, series called um, Unshaken about confident living in uncertain times. Does that sound a bit appropriate for what we're living through right now? God designed that before COVID, before all of what we're experiencing now in our country and around the world. And so um, for me, it was wonderful. I had never preached or taught through 1 Thessalonians, um, but there was so much in there, verses that we remember and recognize. And so that was a blessing to me to be able to share that with you, although virtually. Um, And so we finished that last week. Um, next week, which will be the first weekend in July, if you can believe it, and for all of us, you know, we live at the Jersey Shore, we realize things are back open, and the traffic and the people and the bennies, everybody's coming back down, so there's a little bit more normalcy, right? Um, but yeah, next weekend is July already, and we are going to spend the summer in the Psalms, and it's, it's, um, it'll be eight weeks, it'll carry us through July and August, um, and then we'll start a new series in September as everything, all our ministries kind of kick off again. And, and I'm hoping and praying that by then we won't have to wear our mask. We'll be able to offer our children's ministry again. Um, and everything will kind of look the way we had hoped that it would be. But um, we're going to spend eight weeks, July and August, the summer in the Psalms. And of course, we can't cover every Psalm, but um, the, the Psalms are generally broken into five books. So we'll look at a a few representative psalms from each of those books for those eight weeks. So uh, I hope you can join us for that. Um, You know, maybe you've you've read through all the psalms before, but, you know, the psalms, it's really like a book of poetry and songs. It's kind of the worship book for the Hebrew people, and it's ancient, but but it is all, of course, relevant to us today. There are uh, psalms of lament, which are appropriate for us today. Um, there are songs of, um, of worship and just straight out praising God for who he is as creator. There are uh, psalms in there that are difficult to read when you hear the words of King David struggling to understand why God allows the wicked to prosper. And, um, but we're going to be looking at all of those. So we will spend the summer together on Sundays here in the psalms. And uh, so, you know, maybe you can... Um, start that book and read through some in preparation, but we will begin that next week. And so today is, um, it's a special time, it's a time of celebration, and so I was praying about what message to bring today, because um, to say that we are living in unique times is truly an understatement, isn't it? And um, I will not be getting into politics, I will not be getting into some other things that are all uh, on our minds and things that we're discussing, uh, perhaps for another time or a time outside of a Sunday morning because they're important to address and to discuss, especially to know what God's Word teaches us about how to process all that we're experiencing. Can it, we, we can agree on that, right? That God's Word speaks to every situation, doesn't it? And it is our responsibility as followers of God and, and um, disciples of Jesus to go to his word and to see, God, what are you trying to tell us? Why are these things happening? Did you predict it? What do we do as Christians? What's our response? How do we um, discuss things with our neighbors? And most importantly, how does this give us new and different opportunities to share the gospel? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, that is what we are called to do as a church. Did you know that? 
that we are really supposed to, we are designed and we are created and God brings us together, Paul says, as the body of believers to do two main things. And that is to be equipped to evangelize. It is be, to be equipped to live the Christian life. And in that is our study of God's word. It's our worship. It's our learning and growing together. But as we're being equipped with our spiritual gifts, sharing it with each other, and encouraging each other, exhortation, rebuke when there's sin, all those things together, the equipping, and then there is the evangelizing. Because we are the people of hope. We are the preservers of truth. When we are called to be salt and light, do you know what that means? That we don't hide our light under a bushel, that we shine our light for all people to see, because that's what light does, right? Light, um, it reveals the darkness, it reveals the truth as God has given us in his word. But when we're called to be salt, one of the things that salt does, it not only gives flavor, so we are to give flavor um, to God's word by living it out individually, right? Each of us, because I'm going to live it out and proclaim it differently than you would, so that's the flavor. But isn't salt also a preservative? I mean, today we throw things in the fridge, but how did they do it before refrigeration? So much of it was... It was salted so that it would not spoil, right? So salt is a preservative. Do you know one of the most important things, perhaps the most important thing we preserve as believers, as the church, and that is the truth. The truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. We are to preserve that by studying it, learning it, so that we can then represent it to the world because when we claim that name of christian church we are taking on that responsibility and that calling to represent the one who gave us that name and that is jesus christ and we have the truth so this morning i chose colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 17 that is the chapter that we're going to look at and i am going to do it briefly because then we want to move into a time of communion and end with a song of worship. We want to leave worshiping this place. But just give me about 10 minutes or so, and I want to briefly look at a, a highlight part of this passage. And then we will, um, uh, we will take our elements together to, um, to highlight and to sort of put an exclamation point on um, the power and truth of God's word. Okay, so we are in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to read it, but there's just a couple of verses that I'm going to highlight. So of course, we're not going to go through all of it. But in our time of celebration today, celebrating being back around God's word and worship, um, I thought that this was a most appropriate passage because here it is, church. This describes who we are. There are many passages of scripture, especially written by the Apostle Paul, where he tells us who the church is. Uh, Ephesians is a great example. But here in Colossians chapter 3, we are reminded about our identity in Christ. If you remember nothing else from God's word this morning, remember that Colossians 3 uh, teaches us who we are in Jesus and who we are to be. Because if we are preservers of the truth so that we can proclaim it, see we preserve it and we proclaim it, then we need to know what does that mean for us? What does it mean that we... Uh, that we have the truth, and what is the truth? And, 
And what do we do with the truth? What do we believe is the truth? So that is our key word for this morning. I'm going to read this passage and then highlight just a few, okay? Um, it says in Colossians uh, 3, 1 to 17, uh, may I have that water, please, Claudia? That would be great. Here is Colossians 3, 1 to 17. Um, thank you so much. And it says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'm going to skip down to verse 9. And read to verse 17. Verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, which he describes in those verses I skipped, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, meaning in the church, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And then verses 14 to 17 are what I'm going to highlight. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Is that not a beautiful passage of Scripture? How encouraging and uplifting for us to be reminded by the Apostle Paul himself, right, what it means to be a Christian. That we are simply, as he's saying, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. It says that in 2 second, in, uh, second Corinthians 5.17. But he's saying, look, every day put off that old self and put on the new self. Well, we know at salvation we have been given a new spirit, right? That's how we're connected to God. That's the theology of that salvation. But are we perfect? Please don't raise your hand. No, we're not yet perfect, right? We're not yet perfect because we have been saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, because we have the Holy Spirit. We can say no to sin now in Christ, but we have not yet been saved from the very presence of sin. That will happen at the rapture, which is what we talked about in 1 Thessalonians. When Jesus returns for us, we are then glorified, right? Our salvation is made complete, and we are then completely um, gone from the very presence of sin. But until then, our daily calling, our daily responsibility as believers is to put on the old, the, uh, get rid of the old self, put on that new self, and match up, right, our position with our practice. Do you ever, like, have a Bluetooth um, 
device and you have to pair it with something else. You know how you do in your car? If you have the Bluetooth, you take your, your smartphone and you pair it with um, the Bluetooth in your car or maybe your speaker at home or something. And what does it do? It matches it up. It says, is this the device that you want? It's making sure that one matches the other. See, in Christ, our practice is supposed to pair up with our position. See, our position in Christ is that we are raised to life. He says it at the beginning. If then you have been raised with Christ. So he's saying, if you're a believer, you have been raised with Christ, meaning you have a new life. Because Christ is risen, we are risen with him. Right? We died to sin when he died, and that's the the significance of the burial, the bodily burial of Christ. But then he was risen on the third day, and we celebrate that as the cornerstone of our faith. But Paul is saying, because Christ rose, you are risen with him. So he's saying, if you are risen with him, can you act like him, please? He's saying, your position is risen, and we should celebrate that, and that position is secure. But then he says, take your practice every day, how you live it out, and match it up with your new position. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. If then you have been raised with Christ, and then the rest of what I read follows that. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, here's what it should look like. He's saying, here's what it should look like for you as Christians. He says, seek things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. Look, uh, Norm Geisler, a great theologian and teacher, says it this way. He says that we should be looking upwards to God sovereignly over us from heaven, but looking forwards as well to Christ's return. See that? That is where the, the eyes of the Christians should be. That is our direction, church. That we are to look upwards to Christ as sovereign Lord and to look forward as Christ as returning King. See? And that is how we are to be directing our thoughts and our actions, our worship, he says, upwards and forwards. And then he says, when Christ, who is your very life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he's setting the stage, saying, this is what it should look like. Then he lists some things that you should put off, immorality, malice, anger. But then he says in verse 9, do these things, because you are being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. In verse 10, see, there's this idea of renewal every day. It's a, it's a daily thing to be renewed in him. You know, one of my, uh, my favorite all-time um, uh, Broadway plays, musicals, is Godspell. Maybe you've seen it. There's a beautiful song in Godspell. It's not all theologically correct, but it's a, it's a beautiful song uh, and, and show. And the song is called Day by Day. Did you ever hear it? And so the, the lyrics are simple, and it says, Day by day, O dear Lord, three things I pray. To see thee more clearly to love thee more dearly, and to follow thee more nearly, right? To see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. That's the learn and the grow and the serve that we talk about, right? To see him more clearly. It's what Paul says, set our minds on things above, to see him, right? Then to grow and love him closer, more dearly every day, and then the result of that is to follow him closer, more nearly, But here's the key to all that. It's day by day. It's every day. 
That's what our calling is. Every day to live for him. But it's a renewal. So every day it's a renewal. You know, I, um, we went away this weekend because our oldest daughter, Lauren, is, is getting married in August. It's about six weeks away. And um, unfortunately, I had to make a lot of changes to the wedding plans like a lot of people did. But um, she had all of her bridesmaids over um, to the house this weekend so they can hang out at the beach and have a good time together. And, and, um, and so they were kind of like, Mom and Dad, can you guys kind of get out of town for the weekend? I said, okay. So, you know, glad to do it, right? And so it's fine. So we went and we stayed. And so we had the opportunity each of the last two mornings, so Saturday and this morning, to get up to watch the sunrise. And the sunrises the last two days were just gorgeous, just beautiful. Like almost always they are, right? Because it was just the perfect cloud formation. We could see the actual sun, all of it come on up in the horizon. And it was so beautiful. But what just a perfect and simple reminder that every day is a gift from God. But as the sun, the S-U-N, rises each day, a reminder that the Son of God, S-O-N, has risen And so what Paul says is because Christ has risen, you are risen to life too. He says, because Christ is your life, how much clearer can he get, right? So that should be what we celebrate every day and especially today that because Christ has risen and we have new life in him that every day through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can put off that old self and say, we're not that person anymore. We don't have to act like that. And put on the new self, which he describes as being someone who is showing kindness and a compassionate heart and humility, meekness and patience. But then he says, above all, put on love. You know, and um, Paul talks about that daily renewal in other places. Second Corinthians 4.16, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. How often? Day by day. See? Romans 12.2, we know that one. That we are no longer to be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's the renewal. And then also in Ephesians 4.23, he says it, that we are to be made new in the attitudes of our minds. Do you, do you see the point that he's making that I'm trying to emphasize today? It is a day-by-day journey with Jesus Christ to be more like him by putting off the old self, Because our new position is in him. And so therefore, every day, we should put to death the old self that keeps trying to creep back in and put on the new self. And that is a struggle we will only have until Christ returns. Amen. But it's a daily thing that we do that just as sure as if he gives us a new sunrise every morning, it's a reminder that we are risen with him. And Paul says it best. I love this verse. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore, but it's Christ who lives in me. Do do you see that? He is saying, it's really not for me to live my life the way I want to anymore. Jesus paid the price. He owns me now. I am his. He is mine. I don't even live that life any longer in the flesh like I used to, but it's Christ who lives in me. And now in the flesh, because we're waiting for Jesus to come back, how do I live it out? By faith, he says. 
by faith that every day God will give me the strength. And then he goes on to describe it, and he says, Among, uh, above all else, put on love, and let peace of Christ rule in your heart. So he says, love covers all of it. So we are to love and be at peace and be thankful. And then finally, verses 16 to 17, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And then he says, and then worship together in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness. So what is he saying? He's saying focus on worship and focus on the word, the word of God. He says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. So it is about the word. That is coming full circle, and I conclude with this. He is saying it's about the truth. He's saying you as the church, preservers and proclaimers of the truth, Dwell on the word of God and how rich it is. Let it sink into your hearts because it is absolute truth. Do you know if we did not, church Christians, if we did not have the absolute truth, we would be like the rest of the world on shifting sand. Now more than ever we can understand that, can't we? When everything around us is changing, as they say in sports, the goalposts keep getting moved, right, to where the goal is. It feels like Every day you wake up, you watch the news, you follow the news feed, and it feels like the foundation you were just getting used to got like torn out from underneath you. Where do we stand and where is our solid ground? It is the Word of God. Because it is His very Word. It is an absolute truth. Absolute meaning that it does not change no matter what is happening. So no matter what circumstances we live in, no matter what country we live in, no matter what the government is like, no matter what kind of freedoms we have or don't have, we have the Word of God, which is a solid foundation. It is not shifting sand. Can we say amen to that? That is the truth he is saying to let dwell in your hearts richly so that we can love and so that we can put off the old self and know how to put on the new self because we have the Word of God. And a final um, word about the truth. Do you know... Church, and, and I want to I end with this thought, but it's really important that you hear me and understand. The truth, the reality of things, there's only one reality. It's God's reality. Everything else is our interpretation of what we think is real. There is one reality. It's God's reality. It's what's revealed to us in his word. He has given it to us, revealed himself to us in his word. And there is one absolute truth. It's what we find in Scripture. is about who God is, right? And so he is truth. Jesus is called the truth, right? And you remember that it was during the Last Supper, and he told them, the disciples, he was going to go somewhere, and they couldn't follow him. And Peter said, well, we want to go. How do we get there? That's when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So he was saying, I'm the way. You want to know the way? To get to where I'm going, he said, he's the way, he's the life. But he also said, he is the truth. Do you know what's, what's great about that passage in the Greek? Those words have an emphasis of being the only one. So what Jesus was saying and what the disciples would have heard is, I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the truth that we are called to preserve and to then proclaim. That is the truth. Do you know that the truth has been on trial? The truth has been under attack since day one? Do you remember what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden? Do you remember when Satan showed up 
and tempted Eve. Do you know, remember how he did it? He put doubt in her mind to make, make her question what the truth is. When he said, oh, God said that you would, she said, yeah, God said I would, we would die if we ate from that tree. And, and he said, did God really say that? Do you see how he planted that seed of doubt? What he was doing was he was attacking the truth. The absolute truth that God had given about what Adam and Eve were, were supposed to do and not do. And from day one, Satan has been attacking God as truth. Jesus called himself truth. So Jesus was put on trial. Do you know that before he went to the cross, he was put on trial? Within a span of less than 24 hours, he underwent basically six injustices and trials where he was brought to Annas and then Caiaphas, remember that? And then brought to Pontius Pilate. Do you remember that conversation between uh, Jesus and Pontius Pilate? It said, Pilate entered his headquarters. This is after Jesus had already been accused of things that he didn't do. Um, Grave injustice done to him. It says, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus to him. And Pilate finally said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate said, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said, so you're a king? And Jesus said, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to do what? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, and then here is the question. Here is the question that all of humanity has asked from the beginning of time, Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's really the question that Satan was asking Eve in the garden. What's really true? Did God really say that? He didn't mean that. The truth, as we know it from God's word, has always been under attack and it always will be. So don't be surprised when it is. But what is the simple definition of truth then? It's what matches reality. It's God's reality. But we are the preservers and proclaimers of that truth. So, do we change hearts and lives? No, God does that. But what does he call us to do? Plant seeds. I think we're just supposed to be simple farmers. Planting seeds that way. Seeds of what? Seeds of truth. The truth of the gospel. So church, please, let us stick close to God's word. Do what Paul says, because we are risen with Christ, that we are to let God's word, let the word dwell richly in our hearts. And then to live at peace and love around other people and others. 